Brother Larry Fife comes to us from Cary, North Carolina, the Cary Church of Christ there. He recently moved to North Carolina after seven years in Fayette, Alabama. He brings with him tonight his uh, good wife, Larissa, uh, one of his sons, two of his daughters. He has an older son that is uh, in his third year at Louisiana Tech University that could not be with us tonight. I count Brother Larry Fife as one of my dearest and closest friends, and I appreciate his great effort more than he'll ever know. We graduated together in 2009 from the Memphis School of Preaching, but Larry has been preaching for years. He understands what it is to be a local evangelist. He understands what it means to do a local work. He is a hard worker. I think if you're going to be an evangelist, that's what you have to be, is a hard worker, and he understands that. I'm so glad that uh, he was uh, willing and able to come and be with us. Uh, one thing about Larry that impresses me, Larry is uh, a veteran. He spent eight years in the Marine Corps, and he, is, uh, he loves the Marine Corps. No doubt about that, but what he really loves is the Lord and His church. And he takes that great passion to the world, and that's what he believes in, and that's what he wants to be able to do with his life. And I appreciate him so much for that. So we're in for what I believe is a treat. He's a wonderful gospel preacher. I appreciate him coming and being with us. Come speak to us, brother. June 15, 1993, I stepped off a Greyhound bus in Paris Island, South Carolina, to earn the title of United States Marine. And after I stepped off the bus, I thought, oh, what have you gotten yourself into? Of course, having the last name Fife didn't help either. And also being six foot seven and your senior drill instructor being five feet tall didn't help either. But after 13 weeks, and for the first time we were called Marines, I stood a little bit taller, I stood a little bit prouder because I knew I had earned that title. But brethren, there's a title that I wear today that I'm more proud of. It's a title that I did not earn, and it's certainly a title that I do not deserve, and that's the title of Christian. And you're here tonight because you love the Lord and because uh, you're a Christian, and perhaps if you're not a Christian and you're here tonight, and I hope that you hear something that pricks your heart, that makes you want to obey the precious gospel of Jesus Christ, to put him on in baptism tonight. And I certainly hope if that's the case, that's something that you'll choose to do. Uh, I enjoyed being a Marine for eight years. I enjoyed the privilege of serving my country, but I enjoy more greatly being a gospel preacher of our Lord and Savior. I'm glad that you're here tonight. I know that we have several visitors, and I'm certainly thankful that you've come our way and that you've chosen to support this meeting and to be here tonight. So thank you very much for uh, your love for the Lord and for your wanting to be here. Robert Browning's masterful soliloquy, My Last Duchess, uh, tells the story of a European duke as he interviews an emissary about a prospective wife. And as the husband-to-be kind of explains what he wants in a new wife, he begins to tell of the qualities of his, perhaps why this was his last duchess, his last wife, and some of the things and traits that she had that he didn't really care for very much. And he talks about how she really chose to help those that were less fortunate, those who were down and out, those who she needed to stoop down to pick up. And one of the things that he says that I thought was very interesting was that he said, I choose never to stoop. When you think about that and, and the idea of what it means to be a Christian, that really defies everything for ourselves as God's children. 
You think about Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. So when you think about the idea of what it means to stoop down to pick someone back up, the idea of what Robert Browning is talking about in his soliloquy there is that this individual chose never to belittle himself to help somebody that was less fortunate than he was. But you see, even Paul talks about the idea of what it means in Romans 12 and verse 3 that, he's, that we're commanded as God's children never to think more highly of ourselves. And even when you look at Philippians chapter 2, Paul stressed the proper balance of inward and outward awareness of ourselves as God's children. But we have to think about it in this light. Jesus is the prime example of one who chose to stoop when he was helping those who were less fortunate than him. And many times, in the case of him choosing to stoop, he was also teaching. But when we think of ourselves as God's children, as Christians, make sure our things work in here, we have to be willing to choose to stoop to help those who need help. But also at the same time, we have to look inwardly at ourselves as God's children to understand sometimes we stoop ourselves in our lives as Christians, and not in a way that belittles ourselves but in a way that makes us understand exactly who Jesus was and what it means to be a child of God. When you think about Jesus, one of the great things about Jesus as you read throughout the, the New Testament is that Jesus was one who, choosed, or who chose to stoop to teach. You go to John chapter 8 and verse 6 about the woman that was caught in adultery. As, these, as this woman was brought to him, it says, This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his fingers wrote on the ground as, they, as he heard them not. When the woman was caught in adultery that was placed before him, he didn't look at her with an accusing eye, did he? It simply says here that Jesus rather stooped down and began to write in the ground. And whenever I read this particular account, I always look at it and think, what was he writing on the ground? You know, was he writing something to perhaps call out the sins of those that were bringing this woman before him? Or perhaps he was simply using that as a moment to get down and being the, the humble servant that he was and simply write nothing whatsoever, but was using that quiet as a great teaching moment. But whatever the case was, Jesus chose this particular, this idea that he was merely getting down to their level to teach them the idea of what it means to not cast stones in a direction perhaps they're not meant to be thrown. But at the same time, Jesus chose to stoop in that particular manner because he was wanting to teach them something. Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. And certainly as we look throughout all of the gospel accounts, we see the many occasions that he chose to teach people rather than accuse people. That he chose to teach people rather than to ridicule or belittle them because he was using that as a moment to show people exactly who he was as the Son of God. Certainly something that we can take from who Jesus is to be teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes in heated debates and discussions it's easy for us to point the finger and tell people they're wrong, but it's easy or it's, it's better understood to look at Jesus and his examples of the type of teacher that he was and how he would stoop down to teach people the precious gospel of what he was there to teach them about. But you know, when you think about Jesus' teaching, he was also one that stooped down to serve. I think this is probably one of his greatest attributes. You look at John chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. Obviously, as he's teaching the disciples what it means to be humble and what it means to truly be a servant, in John 13, 4 and 5, it says, And he rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after he poureth the water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. 
The physical act of kneeling down at this particular moment shows the absolute humbleness of who Jesus was as an individual, that he was offering himself here at this particular moment to to get down on his hands and knees, to remove his outer garments, to take this basin, and to wash the filthy feet of these disciples who were simply arguing who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Yet Jesus said nothing as he did in many cases to teach and stooped down and got down on his knees and began to wash their feet. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you stooped to wash somebody's dirty feet? That's not something, that's not a practice that we really observe these days. It was something in those days as somebody was traveling in, many times as they would come into somebody's household, the servant of the house would come in and then wash the visitor's feet before they would come into the house. You see, that was the servant's job. That wasn't the the master of the house's job. That was the servant's job to do this. And this was the role that Jesus was taking in this particular case, to stoop down and to wash their feet, to give them the idea of what it truly means to be a servant in in, in the Lord's kingdom. When he finished, he returned to the table and said, Now I want you to wash each other's feet. Now, would we be willing to do the same thing? Would we be willing to stoop down to those who need to be helped? But also I think about Jesus was the example of what it means to be one who prays. In Luke 22 and verse 41, it says that he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and it said that he kneeled down to pray. Here he was in this final few hours of his life before he's going to go to the cross of Calvary to take on the sins of the world upon his shoulders to die for mankind, and he chooses to spend just a few moments away from everybody else to talk to his father. Brother, never do we stand so tall as when we kneel before God in prayer. And when we show our humility and when we're choosing to stoop before the Lord and bow our heads to Him in humility and in prayer and talk to Him, that's the example that Jesus is giving us here in Luke chapter 22. Because when you think about it, the bowed knee anticipates the bowed heart. And when we do that, never can we be, what, haughty or mighty or high when we're bowing before our Lord. You see, because when I pray, in prayer I'm at my most sincerest and honest state. When I'm truly bringing my heart out before the Lord, God wants to hear from me as one of His children. God wants us to talk to Him. Oftentimes when people come to me and they're struggling in their life, I, one of the first questions I often ask is, how's your prayer life? When's the last time you talked to our Father? When's the last time you put your problems at His feet or simply thanked Him because God wants to hear from us as His children? When I was in the Marine Corps, when I was stationed in Japan for about a year and a half, I remember I got to go home for Christmas right before I got stationed overseas. And I remember I, I, was, I was sitting there and my, my mother hands me this box and I open it up and there's this box of envelopes. Okay? She said, now look at the envelopes. All of these envelopes were self-addressed to my mother with a stamp on them. She says, what I'm telling you is, is that I want to hear from you when you're overseas. We didn't have email then or all the other, other things we have today concerning technology, but she says, I expect at least one letter a month while you're stationed in Japan. Why is that? Because she wanted to hear from her child. How often do we spend in prayer talking to our Father in heaven? Jesus was one, even in this moment of agony, as he knew what he was about to do, understood the will of his Father when he said, Not thine will be done, but yours. Jesus knew it wasn't about himself, but in that moment of prayer, he simply needed to talk to his Father in heaven. He was laying all of the problems that he was going through at his Father's feet. He knew what he was about. You see, a man never stands so tall as when he stands to pray. Jesus was one who chose to stoop 
in this particular time of agony and pain. But brethren, I think the greatest thing that Jesus did for us was that he stooped to save mankind. There was a teacher who stood before his Bible class one time, and he read John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he stops with just a few, for just a few moments and he says, I want you to understand one particular aspect of this verse is that love always gives. And when you think about John 3.16, that's exactly what it's talking about. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son to die at Calvary for you and me that he might bear the sins of mankind. And Jesus was one who was willing to come and to leave the glories of heaven that we read about in Philippians chapter 2, that he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and made himself in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even unto the death of the cross. So Jesus was willing to stoop to save us. No doubt the greatest act of stooping that ever occurred was when Jesus chose to die on the cross of Calvary for all of us. There's a debt, obviously, that we can't pay it back. Certainly with what was given to us, there's no way that we could ever be good enough in this life to even stoop ourselves to pay back that great thing that Jesus did for us at Calvary. But I want you to notice the words of Paul that he used as he's kind of struggling to grasp what Jesus did for him. Even when you look at Galatians 2 and verse 20. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I even struggle with the concept of why I was thought to be good enough for Jesus to die for me. I don't know about you, but I certainly know I'm not perfect and I have my flaws and I make my mistakes. But to think that here was a man who was willing to die for me because of what I did to him says a lot about the character of what Jesus was willing to do to stoop at Calvary and come to this lowly earth to die for somebody like me. The Bible tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you and that means me. But Christ was willing to do that in and of himself that he was willing to come down here and take upon the form of a servant and to be like a man and die for me, yet a man who was without sin and who was perfect. And brethren, how dare I ever say that I'm not willing to stoop for those who are also hurting. Jesus chose to stoop to save us. Now, when you think about all the attributes that Christ have and the example that he was for us, certainly we can take those same things and apply them to ourselves as God's children. You think about what it means for us when we humble ourselves and when we choose to stoop in times of repentance. Sometimes the hardest thing for individuals to do is to be willing to repent of their transgressions. Why? Because it means we're showing in and of itself that we're ashamed of what we did and we're having to admit that we're wrong. Now, raise your hand if you'd like to admit that you're wrong. Most people won't say they are. But in times of repentance, it means that we're bringing ourselves before God, before His throne of grace and mercy to say, Lord, I made a mistake here and I messed up. I've got to fix these things. I picture the prodigal son returning from the father as he humbles himself in Luke chapter 15. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no worthy. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. And it's interesting how the father responds to the son, isn't it? It's not that he pushed him away and said, you know what? You really did some pretty bad things here, son. 
I don't know if I can forgive you for all of the bad things that you did because in essence what the son did when he came to the father was give me my portion of my inheritance because you're dead to me. You don't mean anything to me so give me my money so I can go live, off, live the way that I want to live. But the father was looking as the son returns and the son at that moment had to admit that he had lived wrong. You think about the account in Matthew 21 that Jesus talks about the two sons, right? The one son, he said, go into the field. He said, I won't, but later he repented and he went out and worked. The other said, I'm not going to do it. Repentance means I'm willing to change my mind that it might bring about a change of heart because even the proverb writer says in Proverbs 23 and verse 6, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if we're willing to repent and we're willing to stoop down to tell Jesus that we've been wrong in what we're doing, then we're willing to stoop and kneel before the Lord Himself. Repentance admits shame, and brethren, repentance admits humiliation. Because if we're not humiliated based upon what we did to Jesus and what we did before the Father, brethren, that says a lot about our hearts as God's children. Because we should be humiliated when we sin against our Father in heaven. The Bible tells us that God turns His back on those who sin against Him, yet at the same time we've got to be willing to, what? Choose to stoop before Him in times of repentance. When we acknowledge our sins before the Father, we can only do so by choosing to stoop before Him. You see, we make that choice when we choose to stoop before the Father and repent of our sins. That's a recognition of understanding that what we've done is wrong. Even Jesus bears this out in Luke 13, 3. And again in verse 5, except you repent, you're going to perish. So I've got to be willing to put my sins before God and say, I don't want to live this way anymore. And sometimes that's a difficult thing for us to do. I can't tell you how many times I've given an invitation and you can see somebody white-knuckling the back of that pew, wanting to let go, but they know that sin is just too difficult. And they don't know if they're willing to let it go and to finally put it aside. But there's no greater relief than when we choose to stoop before God in repentance to say, Lord, I messed up and I need help getting out of this. And only God can do that for us. But also we've got to be willing to stoop in times of forbearance. Think about what Paul writes in Galatians 6 and verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The very picture of bearing somebody's burdens is bending down, is what the Bible is talking about, and picking them back up and helping them to bear that load. You know, I mentioned this yesterday in our sermon. And one of the things that I like to call the church when we come here to worship is a hospital for sinners. Many times we put on this cloak of Christianity to be something that we're really not, to say, you know what, I've got Christianity all figured out and I don't have any problems. But yet when we come here, this is where we should be able to bring our problems to bear and to say, you know what, today I'm hurting and today I need help. I shouldn't have to put on this fake facade and say everything's okay in my life because it's not. But sometimes we do that because we want the person across from the pew in the aisle to say, you know what, they've got everything figured out when we really don't. Because we're all struggling in this life trying to get to heaven, right? So when we think about bearing somebody else's burdens, that is literally taking the weight off of them and putting that burden upon our shoulders. Brother, when's the last time that you asked somebody if they were hurting? When's the last time you said, let me help you with this? I remember one of the greatest, probably, uh, advice that I got from one of my instructors when I was at Memphis was he told a story about he had gone with this young gospel preacher and he had gone to see somebody in the hospital. And he said, as they were leaving, as probably all of us here have said many times, if you need anything, call me. 
Well, he said as they got back to the car, he said he gave that young gospel preacher a nice lecture. He says, do you think they need anything when they're laid up in the hospital? Yes, they do. He said, instead of asking, just do it. If somebody needs a hand, just give it. You see, when we think about the idea of what it means to bear somebody's burden, stooping in forbearance may include literally taking that load upon myself to help them get through that particular situation. Brethren, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to bear the load of those who are hurting in the church. And sometimes I think we do a really poor job of seeking out those who need our help sometimes. Maybe it's sometimes we don't want to be nosy. Maybe it's the case that we don't want to feel like we're intruding on somebody else's business. But maybe simply offering a hand of help goes a long way sometimes in the Lord's church today. You see, we make the choice to stoop in times of forbearance of helping those that need to bear the burden. And only we can do that. You see, if I'm in trouble, I'm not going to call somebody in the world. I'm going to call somebody in the Lord's church. Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I call Rick Owens, Rick's going to come. He's not going to ask any questions. That's what it means to be a brother and sister in the family of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. Isn't that exactly what we are, a family? But yet sometimes I think we do a poor job of acting like a family. But also, we have to stoop in times of praise. In Psalm 95 and verse 6, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Worship is an act in which the individual is dethroned and God is enthroned. And sometimes I think we fail to understand when we come to worship the Lord, we're coming to worship the Lord. It's about Him and it's not about us. Yet if we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and we understand what truth is, John 17, 17, and we worship according to what His standards are and not ours, we're certainly going to get something out of that. You see, when we remove ourselves from the pedestal and we put God there, brethren, that's exactly where He needs to be. Rick and I were talking about this over dinner tonight. It's unfortunate of how many congregations we're seeing that are going by the wayside because they think their way is better than God's way. We're talking about one particular congregation near where I preach in North Carolina. They have female ministers now and praise teams and people are mic'd in the audience and all these other crazy ideas of what they think it means to praise and worship God, yet we don't find that anywhere in the Bible. You see, what's happening here is these individuals are placing themselves above God rather than below God when it comes to worshiping Him or worshiping God and His standard and His truth. You see, when we remove ourselves, we put God where He needs to be. You see, what the Duke is really saying is, I choose never to stoop, that in any bending, any yielding, and any giving is going to be done by somebody else. Yet what it means to be a Christian when we put on the Lord in baptism is that we're saying, I no longer matter anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus Christ and His church. That's the only thing that matters. And that's what Paul is saying in Galatians 2 and verse 20 when he said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul said, I'm no longer living for myself anymore. I'm living for Christ. And because of what Christ did for me, that I'm willing to serve Him accordingly. You see, love has always taught and practiced bending and stooping. And that's what we get when we think about that in the Bible. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The great book of love or the great chapter of love, right? 
of all of these things it says that love is not shows the idea of what it means to be humble and that we're willing to stoop before our Lord when we're serving other people. Brethren, I think the greatest gift that we have is that we can serve those who can't serve themselves. That we can be ministers to the gospel and that we can shine as lights in the world to those who can't shine for themselves. And the only way that we can do that is that we're willing to stoop and help those who can't help themselves. You know, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves one above another. And the taller that I grew, the easier it was to reach those blessings. But the older I've gotten and the more gray hair that I get, I've learned that that's absolutely wrong. Because really, if you think about it, I find that those gifts are on shelves one beneath another. Those blessings that God talks about. And the more that I'm willing to stoop, the more blessings that I'm going to receive from the Lord because I have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2.5. You see, brethren, what it truly means to stoop is what we're saying is what it truly means to have the mind that Christ have is that we're willing to serve. But Jesus was the greatest example of what it means to be one who's willing to stoop. The gospel is the greatest story ever told about the greatest man who ever lived, about the greatest gift ever offered. And it's because Jesus was willing to leave the glories of heaven to bring himself down here to stoop with the rest of us to show us what it means to be a true servant of our God. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to truly serve. And I hope that that's something that you want to do tonight. When I think about what it means to have the mind of Christ, I think about wanting to serve just like Christ served. Be willing to teach the gospel. Be willing to help those that are without. But more importantly, be willing to serve our Father in heaven. And if you haven't done that tonight, if you haven't put them on in baptism, and if it's something that you want to do because you have to be willing to stoop down at this moment to say it's no longer about me and it's about God. You've got to be willing to repent of your sins. Again, Luke 13, 3 and 5. You've got to be willing to confess the sweet name of Jesus Christ, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. And you've got to be willing to put on him in baptism tonight. The like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. I hope that you're willing to do that tonight. But maybe it is the case that you're here tonight and you've forgotten what it truly means to be a servant of the Lord. One who's willing to stoop and to help those who can't help themselves. One who's willing to stoop before the Lord and what it truly means to be a servant of the Lord. But you see, that's the choice that you have to make. If you've been like the prodigal and you strayed away and you need to come home tonight, let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. That's what 1 John 1, 7 is. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You have the opportunity tonight to fix whatever is amiss in your life. And I pray that you'll do that tonight as together we stand and as we sing.